What is going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another very special episode. And this one is special. This one's special, man. We got one of us in the Listen, building, Listen, I usually don't go crazy for white boys, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> No, for real. You know, just Justin Bieber and this guy. <laughs> you know Mike, it's just me because you call him Justin Bieber. <laughs> yeah, Justin Bieber. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, but for those you already know, man, don't say this. Say, say that. that. Listen, Yo. it's your boy Remy in the building, and we got somebody that I've been waiting for, Mike. They got yeah. me bucked up today, bro. They got me bro. bucked up today, bro. <laughs> Guys, we got Sam motherfucking buck in the house. Mother bucking? Mother bucking. <laughs> What's going No, dude, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. This is awesome. Yeah, I we're appreciate fans, it. bro. I, you know, I definitely... Hell yeah, man. I de- you know what it was? I saw you. Sh- you did great marketing because I saw your show and I was like, and I was like, nah, I'll listen to it one day because I-, I seen you do stand-up before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I kept seeing. I kept fucking seeing you grind. I'm like... Let me go click this shit now and listen and see what he got popping. And I was surprised. I was, I just, I've heard other people's podcasts and like I said, they just didn't have like good content or they didn't continue growing. You know, like you, you know, you know, you see a podcast on, you know, their first month. In the next six seven months, you should see them change and evolve because it's their first, you know, business. So I would see you kind of grow and grow. I'm like, he got, and your guests got better. One, yeah, that's the thing that yeah, uh, you got some pretty impressive names now. I appreciate that, and I that's when we met. You were like, I fuck with Griselda. You were talking about like the merch and shit, and yeah. it's like, if you if you know Griselda, like you're gonna fuck with my shit because that's like what drove me to do it. Like, I just want to talk to everyone they're affiliated with, and that kind of helped me grow my podcast because I was able to make a scene in the Griselda fan base, kind of, which is weird to think about. Being, yeah. being a white, a white <laughs> comedian, you know, like a nerdy white comedian. Like, word, that's word. Hilarious. You know? That's dope, man. So so uh, tell people a little bit, for those who may not know, what does Sam Buck do, man? Yeah, so uh, Sam Buck, I have a, the Bucked Up podcast we were talking about. I inter- it's a, We were talking about this before. Like, It's a self-help podcast where I have like comedians and rappers and uh, self-help. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> self-help with comedians and rappers. And and, and I'm a stand-up. I, um, that's where we met is yeah. open mics and shit. And yeah, I, uh, I've been doing stand-up for a little bit now. And What's that's really bit? all. Yeah. What's a little bit? Uh, well, the first time I got in stand up, up on, a little bit could be three years. Yeah. <laughs> so that's true. It's a long grind. Doing it every single day or multiple times a week, two years. But the first time I got up on stage was 2016, 2015. But I don't really count the first couple of years until I got serious. It was in research it. and development, right? Yeah, re- exactly. I'd go to shows every week. I would like meet people. I would listen to comedy, but I realized that when I was going to start it, I had to start it. Like it wasn't like pussy you got to jump in. You got to jump, in. You you gotta gotta jump in with both feet. Like I couldn't. So I didn't re- I, when I was in college, I wanted to party. Like I wanted to live a life. So I wasn't going to be serious, serious. But then the day I graduated college, I was like, serious. yeah, I'm How? done partying. Like I'm, I'm taking it serious now. How was uh, your show yesterday? Awesome. That was, that was a crazy show. Uh, I did two. I did an outdoor one at Faneuil Hall and Quincy Market. How did they? How did they? Because I, I always think about going to that, but I'm like, I don't know how I'll do outdoors. So you have to be clean. <laughs> 
which is tough. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? You got to be what? You have to be like PG-13. Yeah, like you oh, can't. Okay, okay. Which sucks because like a lot of my I'm jokes like, What they do, like, they sniff you or something? Yeah. Like, <laughs> nah, you need a shower, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to be clean. You got to be clean. <laughs> nah, like, because I like the other, like, I, I scream about eating pussy on stage, like school <laughs> shootings. Like, I don't give a fuck. He said eating pussy on stage. That's real shit. <laughs> I don't give a, but like when it's clean and you're in, outdoors in front of like, children and families it's a little tough you can't do your material on that show like it's literally you just talking to the audience but Chappelle used to do that when he was like 14 he would go with a microphone and just do stand up in the park for people who would listen and fuck if I can do that then everyone who does their material on that show bombs you have to fuck with the in like in a nice way you can't be mean to them like you gotta be like that's good though that's like a good challenge but I think that's like probably one of the best feedbacks you can get because you're probably attracting people that are not even in the mindset like I'm gonna go watch a comedy show for real they're just walking around especially in Faneuil Hall there was probably 10 people and then by the end of my set there was probably 50 to 60 people around And it was like, oh, shit, like maybe even more. There was a lot of people crowded by the end, which felt good, you know? Cause nah, congrats to that, People bro. don't want to hear comedy at Faneuil Hall, you know what I in mean? The middle of the, in the middle of everything. Hot day, fucking. You're trying to go grab a beer. That's what I'm saying. I'm way. yelling. I'm yelling at you <laughs> while you're walking by. Like, Yo, Wait, so did you write new material for it? Um, I have a weird, I should, you... I should sit down and write. I really should. But I do a lot of my writing when I'm smoking and driving. Like, if I can roll a joint, take a drive, I'll put on music, I'll come up with some of my best bits that way. I need to be moving, but also, like, stagnant. So you're the driver we got to watch out for. <laughs> well, no. I, 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 the, the, the best thing about <laughs> nope, driving, shit. I'm just hitting my bowl, driving with my knee, being like, look at all these other shitty drivers. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, for real. It's... It, but my new car, uh, I got a Subaru Forester. I'm not bragging. Oh, that's, uh, a nice that's a nice car. That's a I nice car. I sold my Jeep Wrangler and I got a Subaru, so I had to like hey, all wheel drive, baby. But you it need drives that. itself on the highway, like it turns, it stops for people, which is supposed. That's how you to, know he's getting money. Yeah, this nigga's getting money. You're supposed <laughs> to be. It's supposed to be safer. Wait, I thought I'm, you did a comedy, bro. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, <laughs> I told you I was a marketing manager for he a said, food yeah, restaurant. Wait, wait, to the scam, boy. <laughs> I sold a Jeep for way more money than I should have gotten for a Jeep with 200,000 miles on. And no, before comedy, like, I'm on unemployment now. I'm stealing government checks. A ways? Uh, a ways? <laughs> that cheese in a box. We're not, like we can it. snitch on this podcast. <laughs> I'm on that government money. And, but I did work a good job beforehand that I was able to save up some money. And so I got this car. And the great thing is it's wicked safe, but because it drives itself, I'll literally just roll up joints while it drives me on the highway. I'll literally be on the highway. It's turning. It's stopping, and I'm just yeah, rolling up. That's, a what, joint. I want. that's <laughs> what I want. Yo, step it up, Tesla. <laughs> <I'm here. laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? Some dude just got pulled over because he was sleeping in his self-driving Tesla, and they gave him a ticket. How yeah. does that make sense, though? And now I was like, "Damn! Like he's a hardworking man. He you falls asleep. Yeah, he takes a nap in a self-driving car. You have to touch the steering wheel once a minute to show oh. that you're awake. So he, you he don't wa- have to hold it, but you have to like." Once a minute, it's just like, like heat give it a little, yeah, yeah, give it a little squeeze. That's dope. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't it's even like when you're out in public so he, with your girl. So he, he must have, <laughs> <laughs> so he must have touched it. He must have touched it. You know what I mean? If he was going for long, they gave him a ticket. Clown, bro. <laughs> I wanted to ask you guys a question since there's two comedians in the room. So you mentioned something about 
um, having to do a show or, or a couple jokes clean, does that bring an extra layer of a challenge where you got to oh. have to filter yourself? How, how long have you been doing it? Uh, I've only been doing it. I want to. I don't have like the exact dates. This dude, I mean? Alex, been funny his whole life. Though. Right, I've but been, like, yeah, but like doing stand up comedy. I've been doing stand up comedy for like two years now. Two, okay, like two and a half years. But I've been, I've gotten better, way better these last six months. You know what yeah, I mean? And I'm still studying the game, and getting better and better. So you, when you start, like you probably get this, like you don't want to be clean because that's not your sense of humor. Like when I'm with my friends. I'm not a clean person at yeah. all. So when I write jokes, I'm not going to do that. But then as you get farther along, at least for me, it's like clean jokes will just come out or a premise that I'm like, oh, if I change it a little bit, I can work it clean. But yeah. still now, I'm never going to be a clean comic. Like, well, my- It's hard because I do comedy to be myself, like you're saying. Yeah. So it's not that I will never have... I might write a clean joke by accident. You know what I mean? Not noticing that I'm not cursing or not noticing that I'm not talking about anything sexual because I like to talk about, like, you know, real-life things. But to sit and then write a clean joke is much harder than, like, you accidentally writing a clean joke. So to me, it's definitely, you know, a, a big challenge to... Bro, it's hard to be funny because it depends on what kind of comedy you do because you kind of want to be funny, clever. Um, you you want to have a joke that people don't expect. You want to have something that's going to hit. And it's not that the content's always sexual or like something crazy, but it might have a cuss word. It might have something that's not good for a four-year-old or a yeah. five-year-old. You know what I mean? Like if you're trying to make a five-year-old laugh and a 26-year-old laugh at the same time, mm. that's tough, bro. It is. That's tough. And it is just like... I've written enough jokes now that I have enough clean jokes that just came out that I can get time, but I've never been like, I'm going to write a clean set. Jokes just kind of come naturally to me. Like, I, that's why, like, I don't, you I kinda, should I just sit down and write, but yeah, thing, right? it's just like, oh, the, I, I remember something from my childhood and I'm like, oh, that'll be funny. Let me, let me think about that. You know what I mean? It's not. Well, because, and I don't know if maybe you feel like this because I started doing comedy recently I have a lot of things that I haven't written about yet. So you know what I mean? Like like you're saying, when you say you think about old stuff that happened to you, it's like I have 30,000 jokes. I just haven't learned how to put them on the paper or like or how to write them into jokes. Because some things are funny, some things are jokes. And so for me, I'm always like, damn, I know that, that story's hilarious. I just got to learn how to tell it on stage. Because they don't know you yet. Like when I first started comedy, I would go up there and just say the darkest shit about my childhood or like my past and people who would know me would think it was funny because they realize that i'm not just that but when no one knows you and you get up on stage and you're just saying that that. they're like this person's a crazy so you have to get them to like know who you are in literally what 30 seconds yeah like you need to get introduce yourself and tell a group of people who you are within 30 seconds or you'll lose the audience immediately. That should be like super challenging, especially when like you're building up your brand. Because for some people that already got their brands, like the Dave Chappelle's, the Eddie Murphy's of the world, you know, they come in and people kind of already know what to expect. Yeah, once yeah. you're known, I feel, and I'm not knowing you, so I don't know if it's, this is true, but I feel like once you get a little bit of fame and, you know, you're on TV and people kind of know you um, by first name and shit, it is. It becomes a little easier because mm-hmm. your jokes and your they know you're funny. You're just you're going over there to be funny. You know we have to always prove like, yo, I'm funny. <laughs> I'm funny. I'm. F-. You're proving to to brand new people. That's why I don't know how you. I, you can tell me how you feel about this. Like your opening joke 
like you say, say if you're working on a certain set or something like that, like your opening joke where you have to introduce yourself and be funny and kind of let it roll into the next material. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's a comedian you've probably seen him perform, Jonathan Tilson. And uh, he gave me advice that like changed my life about like opening up a set. He was like the audience, and it sounds so simple and it makes it, but he's like the audience needs to know that you're in the room with them. So the first thing I say whenever I get up on stage is a joke about the room. I'm not going to roast the room. I'm not going to roast someone in the audience, but I'm going to let them know that I can be funny in the moment. You know, like last night, a couple was playing pool. And I get up there and I'm like, pool, that's the one thing you shouldn't be doing during a comedy show. Like the only thing louder than a pool game is if you got a fucking Jenga board out. <laughs> and like they started laughing and then they sat down and the audience was like, oh, he can make jokes in the moment. It's not all pre horse. And engaging, then I can yeah. just go into what, because just making a joke about the room or having the audience know that you're there with them, that really changed my whole stand-up game, I feel like. No, yeah, it's one of those, you got to have those small elements and, man, sometimes you, you have to work them and just keep trying them and not be funny this time and maybe not be funny that time until it becomes like every time you go on stage, you're doing it. But I feel that's when I'm like the most inspired. Like if, if, I, if I walk into a room full of comedians and, we're, you know, it's an open mic or if I'm doing a feature or if I'm doing whatever the hell I'm doing, it just, that little... Being nervous and that that rush of being there, mm. for some reason, creates so many jokes in my mind. Like, I pull out my phone and like typing out, just typing premises and premises and premises. Then I, you know, I'll look back in a couple of weeks and shit to check if they're funny still. And but it's the same thing as when you were in school and you were like, last minute you do a project. Yeah. It's like <laughs> sometimes you need that pressure of like it's now or never, and that Facts. that really, you know. That that's what it is with comedy. Like I write my best jokes ten minutes before a set. Wow! And it's like shit. I can't bring that up on stage right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, like ten yeah. minutes before a set, I'm like, oh shit, I want to talk about this and this and this. And it's like, that's hilarious. I haven't been able to flesh it out. It, no, no, I'm right there with you because you're like, I want to tell it because it's so funny. Yeah. But it's not prepared to be told. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. not prepared yeah. to be told. So talk about your first time being on stage ever. How did that go? How how did you feel the day before knowing I'm gonna go up on stage? Tomorrow? I didn't know if I was gonna get up on stage the first time I did. Do you? I I did Kill Tony at the Comedy Store in L.A. for the first time I ever did. That's stand a real up. show. Yeah, sold out in the belly room. Um, Damn, I'm hating on you. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey the man, first I time. got that self-driving car, <laughs> and I got picked randomly. It's a random pick. I flew out to L.A. just to hopefully get picked. I was 17 at the time. I used a comedy store, you know, the most famous. Yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's the most famous comedy store. It's a 21-plus club. So I used a fake ID to get in. This white boy's wilder for comedy, got, bro. You love it. Got, yeah. I love it. Ever, I love it. I, lo I got in a hockey accident when I was 16. I didn't even play hockey. It was to impress a girl. And uh, <laughs> I had to damn. lay in a dark room for a month. And all I did was listen to stand-up and podcasts. And when I came out of it, I was like, there's no other path. So I listened to Kill Tony, go out to L.A., use the fake ID, get on, get picked randomly last. They end the show, and then Tony Hinchcliffe is like, why don't we pick one more name? And I'm like, and he randomly picks my name. I'm freaking out. I've never done stand-up before. I'm 17. I'm, no. pretend I'm pretending to be 21. You can see it. I mean, the clip is like That's out hilarious. there. And I 
did really well. It's a minute of comedy, so it's not like... They, they only gave you a minute? Yeah, on Kill Tony, so you get a minute. Tough. And I did really well, and it was crazy. And um, like that's how I met Tony Hinchcliffe and Brian Redband and like, uh, rest in peace, Brody Stevens. He was there that night and told like Jamar Neighbors. Some of my favorite comics were there, which That's was crazy. crazy. And then that was such a good experience. You went alone out there? Yeah. Yeah. You, that's gangster. That's that's heart right there. Yeah. Yo, Sam, you know, it always impresses me like for comedians and stuff. Like, because speaking to Alex, he tells me like, oh, I got three minutes, five minutes. You said your first time was one minute. So coming from a self-help podcast, you know, mental sharpness. Yeah. Like the I admire and just amaze like the mental sharpness that it takes to be able to just go at that limited time and just kill it. It was tough. So Cuz I'll be stuck on the first joke and be like, "Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the first joke, the joke I wrote that this is such this is the maybe the whitest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I wrote my first joke ever crying cuz I got in a fight with my mom. Yeah, yeah. I got in a That's fight with my mom. I, I run up to my room. I'm sobbing and I write the joke, my first joke ever. And that's the one I tell on Kill Tony. It's about wanting to be homeless. It's a stupid joke, but I just, I just remember that. So I didn't want to ruin that moment because that was my first stand-up time. So then I do another set in Boston and bomb. And I'm like, I'm, never, I'm not doing this again for a little bit. Next year, go out to LA again by myself. Use a fake ID. Get in the So this is your store. third time? Third time. It's now in the main room of the comedy store. Literally the most famous comedy room of all like, time. This is where comedians go. This is where Louis C.K. filmed this, one of his most famous specials, like, crazy. Sold out. Steve-O is the guest. That's crazy. I get picked randomly. Who are you fucking on that show? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking somebody because you're not going to tell me you're going to keep over there and get, I and got get picked, bro. Randomly. Bomb my ass off. Like, Damn. still to the this day, sold out in the main room. Uh, bomb. Steve-O's yawning during my minute. It's Damn. a minute. Like, it's rough. Bomb the it interview. It is tough, though. A minute is fucking tough. And that's, I didn't go for another, like, six months after that. And then I, like, started doing maybe once a month. You had to, like, reevaluate. I had to reevaluate. Because those the, the high of my first set and then the low of that one was, like, a lot in the beginning. You know, you I know. can relate to that a little bit, man. Like, I felt like in, in high school, I was just riding the, the wave of like, oh, I can look at something or listen to it once and I know it, you know, and then college came and killed me. So riding that first wave, man, can sometimes be uh, a lesson in itself. For real. That's when I learned that, no, I need to hit mics every night. I need to do as much as I can. That's when, when I went to college, I was like, I'm not going to be able to give the time I need to. So that's mm -hmm. why when I graduated, I was like... This but is the time. I was mad because when I was, I used to live in California, and I never did stand up out there. I never, and it was like it's like the one regret I had. You know what I mean? Was I never did? I went to shows. I went. I seen Andrew Schultz out there, and he was hilarious when he went. But how long was you out there for? Like a year and a half, two years. When Damn. was this? Uh, I'm 26. Damn, this is probably like when I was 21. Well, not 21, probably like 22 or something like that. Okay, so you were a fan of Schultz early on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was. Like, a, you I was knew comedy, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a fan of his. I've always been a fan of comedy. So like you know, like you probably you know Dave Chappelle was my dude. Like Cat Williams is hilarious. I mean, I really just like a lot of the black, um, like the black comedians. Some of the Mexican ones. George Lopez was funny as fuck to me. Like. Um, a lot of people, but I I never thought of doing it. And people were talking, like, yo, hey, you should do comedy, you should do comedy. And I'm never like, 
I didn't know with that. I went to school for business. And uh, I was like, this this is just easy. School just kind of, it was easy for me. Like, I sucked in high school. High school was not my game. But once I got to college, it was something about like, oh, I just study and then just give you guys the answer you want, you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could do that. Yeah, I, was, I could do that shit. And I could do it in this big ass campus and this bitches and this my niggas' hair. Like, yo, this is. <laughs> yeah, college was. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely like college. But then I did it afterwards. Like, my first time was. Like in Cambridge or something like that. It was it was like in Cambridge, and I remember like the day before I was nervous as fuck. Just I was just writing the jokes on a train. And I was nervous as fuck because you're like, yeah, these jokes fucking sucks. It doesn't matter how tough you are, who you are, yeah. like how cool you think you are. You get ner- like you feel like a bitch yeah, going bro. up on yeah, stage for the so- first time because yeah. everybody's just staring at you, and you're supposed to be funny. Yeah. I feel like even like when you do it for like a long time, like these guys, these comics that have like a long tenure, I feel like they still get that. Yeah. Like when they're gonna go, they like talk it's about some, it. It's something that you just won't lose. You know. It's when you, you care can, about something, you you want it to be really good. You know the comedian Mark Norman. Yes. So I saw Mark Norman in like 2015 at Laugh Boston. There was maybe five, ten people in the audience. Damn. And one was a chick that he met on Tinder. And Shout it was out like, super early, dude. And it was one of the roughest sets I've seen because she was heckling him and he brought her there as a date. This bitch. And, <laughs> <laughs> what the that fuck? Went, that went far. <laughs> yeah, bro. That was terrible. God damn. And then, uh, but the reason I'm saying that, I remember even like you can be the best comedian and like a night like that will just wreck it. Like, that, like, you will bomb still. Like, he probably was like, what am I doing after this set? It doesn't matter how good you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, I mean, Dave Chappelle still bombs. Uh, a lot of people still bomb. I, I learned that, like, especially when you're a comic and trying new jokes and you're trying to still be funny. You just, motherfucker, oh, you're not going to hit every single time. There's people who are great writers, so the material might be great. But just because your material is great doesn't mean you're funny or entertaining or people want to watch you. Yeah. So, like that's that's something that like early on I would tell myself like, yo, I'm I think I'm good, but you're gonna you're gonna suck. You know, people you know people aren't gonna laugh sometimes. I remember bombing. It was like in Rosin though. And it was probably like the first time I did like a larger crowd. It was probably like thirty people there, and I was like, oh shit. And my jokes were terrible, <laughs> but I remember leaving that and, and that's just like a tough crowd too. It, and it was tough. It was just a bunch of like, I don't know. It just wasn't people. It was just it was like. People who like coffee and shit. I didn't have coffee no, jokes. Dude, I one of my worst bombs, I did a show in front of it was all old white people, which is just old people in general are not my usual audience. And my, what I would say my best joke is, is a joke about Lil Wayne and why Lil Wayne is the reason I like eating pussy. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like that is the joke. That, and I shouldn't have opened up with that joke, but I did. Oh. And they just hated me ah, they, right they off fucking the hate bat. You the whole time. Right off the bat. They're like, who is this kid? Like, get this kid off the stage. And then I said, you guys look you guys look like it looks like an audience filled with my parents, and you guys look disappointed too. And they <laughs> hated that even more. Like I, there's just shit like that that you can lose even with the best like joke, like you can lose them immediately. Yeah, no, I I've gotten kicked out of the place. <laughs> Yo. Damn. Yo, no. I've never gotten kicked out. I've that, gotten, I've gotten, yo, tell I'm going to reach out the camera real quick, but I'm going to tell the story, bro. Look, and this, so this is the first time my family's ever came to watch me. <laughs> yo, so listen, so listen. My mother 
my little brother, my older brother, and a couple of my friends are like, yo, you've been doing stand-up for a while. You know, we'll come watch you. I never let people watch me because until I get where I want to be. Yeah, I don't let anyone watch. But they all want to come. So I was like, come. And it was, I, I never been to this podcast. I mean, I never been to this place, this open mic. So I go. And I'm like, this is a church, man. My, my material is still dirty. But I'm like, well, an open, I've been to my open mics and they're all dirty. So maybe this is the same. I go, bro. And it's like, everybody's gay. Everybody's like old and handicapped. And I'm reading the room and it's telling me, don't, don't start these jokes. Don't hit him with these jokes. These jokes, <laughs> find something else. I'm like, look at them. Find like a KFC joke, some shit, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> KFC joke. Yeah, anything fuck. but what I prepared, yeah. Bro, so I go up there and the first thing I open with, I take out most of my dirty shit. The first thing I open with is like, um, girls shouldn't get paid more than men. Because and it, uh, which is, This wasn't even a good joke It was just like What I had at the time It was like Girls shouldn't get paid More than men Because men pay for everything I said when girls Should go to the club They go free before 11 They never have shit In their purse And I just It was like It had a punchline Or some shit at the end But that's what it was about Yeah 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 And the lesbian host Looks at me and goes Like she Her jaw dropped <laughs> And I was like That's not even the That's not even the Craziest thing I've ever said in my life Wait till my next joke. <laughs> bro. No, bro. She Tighten walked up. she walked up to me and was like, Oh, if you're gonna say offensive stuff and hateful stuff, um, then you have to leave or you can change your material. And I was like, No, nah, I think you got a good point, man. You guys are not my you know, I was just yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, Yo, th thank you for the opportunity, but I fucked this up. Oh, sorry guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> like and so she was like, yeah, you, yeah, you guys can leave. And I was like, yeah, sounds, sounds like sounds about good right. Call, good yeah, call. Good call. And I got kicked out. And then I went to an open mic and someone was like, ain't you that dude who got kicked out? <laughs> Damn. I was like, sure it was. <laughs> you don't remember it. a joke, but you remember that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I've been, I've been in some weird places, bro, with comedy. Like. Yo, so I wanted to ask you guys. So talk to me a little bit. And, and obviously, mic is open for, to both of you guys. Um, talk to me a little bit about the preparation that goes into the joke because you guys obviously shared stories about being prepared, mentally prepared to go in somewhere and then like when you go in, the room is completely different and having to readjust. So how, do, how does that process work? I, uh, I used to write every single thing down, like a manuscript. Like this is what I would say. But then the audience knows. They're like, this guy's just reading. Now Scripted. it's kind of like... I've done it enough that if I'm ready for a set, like if I'm if I know my jokes well enough, I shouldn't cram the night before like a test. You know what I mean? It's like I know my jokes, so I don't prepare at all before a show. This might sound crazy, but like two hours before a show, maybe I'll write my set list out. But it's like if I know it, I know it at that point. I uh I try to give myself as little pressure as possible. Yeah, no stress. You don't want to because it's like. I see people write their jokes out like a hundred times and then they get up there and they're so nervous. It's like... Because they want to say it word for word yeah. exactly how it's they... Like, and if one word goes wrong... I know my jokes. Like I know how to get back to it if I lose it. Like I've done them enough times that I can get back. So I, I just go up there and I make fun of the room. And if I want to switch up my set mid-show, I'll do it. I try to be as fluid and like... Loose as possible, but say what did you say? You said sweatshop. 
What what did you say? You if you want to do what? In oh, the set? Sweat, uh, switch my setup. Oh, switch my. I was like, wait, what? I was like, wait, what is that? You, say you got a Nike hookup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have little Asian kids write all my jokes. <laughs> little Chinese boys write all my punchlines. That's okay uh, with the labor laws, I think. But we were talking about before running. Like, I'll take a long ass bike ride the day before a show, or I'll run before the day of the, my show, and I'll try to think about my jokes then, and I'll maybe come up with new jokes then. Mm-hmm. But try to tire myself out so I don't get anxious because I'm an anxious person like anything that I can do to not be nervous before I get up on yeah. stage that's that's crazy smoke yeah. I get high people get people are like how do you get high I can't drink I can't have a single beer and then go up on stage but I'll do a dab I'll take 300 milligrams yeah. of an edible I'll smoke a joint because like that before I go on stage yeah because yeah. that's my normal state I want to be at my normal what I'm doing I can't, man. I'm too much of an overthinker. I'm too much of an overthinker, and I think maybe like even a control freak, dude. Like once mm. I, I feel like I'm not in control of the uh, of how I feel. I'm like, yeah. I don't know, bro. I'm yeah. gonna have to sit this one out. I don't know. I, I, You're never gonna do DMT then. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you know what? It it is intriguing. I've heard the stories, but uh, I think it's just one of those things I will have to prepare for if yeah, I really yeah. want to do it. Gotta Mentally, at least. Gotta yeah. be locked in a good place. Yeah, you gotta be locked into a good place. You ever do it? I never done it. I like drugs. Um, I definitely <laughs> would do it. I like. I'm not. I definitely would do, it, but I would have to do it like, you know. I, I like to do drugs with my girl. So if me and her mm. would do some mushrooms, or me and her kind of. That's not like a fun, sexy drug to do together. Like you're gonna meet God and then cry. <laughs> like it's not. Yeah, but that's, you know what I mean, like I, I'm that dude. Like I like doing drugs. But I like to be safe. So maybe, I, maybe she don't take them, but she'll be in the house when I take my shit. And I, I, I have my trip because. If I've heard stories of people cutting their dicks off, the dude from oh from Wu Tang was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He got half. Uh, I think it was DMT, and then cut his dick off. But that was you, wasn't that you, God? That's the worst member at Wu Tang. Yeah, <laughs> but but he did the drug. You don't see Riz or Ghostface cutting their dicks off because they motherfuckers got the good checks. Expected <laughs> deck ain't doing none of that shit. But you know they, they did them drugs to cut his dick off. If you get high as fuck and then you come down and your dick is missing. You I don't be, think DMD will make you cut your dick off. I don't know if that's the uh, DMD, story. So, so DMD. first of all, what motivated you to do that? And walk me through the trip. Okay. Because everybody is, that talks about it is like, oh, my God, I became like this superhuman right after type of thing. What, what's that all about? This is all tied into the self-help thing. So when I... You got me bucked up, uh, bro. Uh, February 20... <laughs> shutdown was March 13th of 2020. February 29th. The girl I was going to move to New York with, like, this was the, you know, I thought, I thought this was the one I, she broke up with me. Fuck that bitch. And I was like, shit. Like, and I, this was right when Corona might. So I was like, and then two weeks later, everything shuts down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, I lost my girl. I can't do stand up anymore. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I started, I lost 60 pounds. I, uh, I started the, I, I did DMT. I had a friend. Um, uh, a spiritual healer, if you would must. He was my weed dealer, but he's like this sixty-year-old dude who's like a shaman, like a spiritual guy. He's like, I can administer a DMT trip, like a real one, the three hits, like not just like fucking oh, around. So like, yeah, you did it safely. You, you didn't yeah, do it the did, wrong no, way. No, no, no. There's I like did resorts like, uh, and places too in like, Mexico, yeah, but this no, guy knows how to do it. Like he, and so he did it for me, and I was real nervous. But I had nothing else to lose. 
This was before I had started the podcast. This was right around I was starting to lose weight. I was just had no comedy, no girlfriend, and I knew that DMT could kind of switch you around. You know what I mean? I heard the same stories yeah. as you, and I was like, he "That's was, what made it interesting." He to me. said to have um have three questions ready when you go to the other side. Mm-hmm. So the only question I had ready. I couldn't think of anything else is, uh, what do I need to do to become the best version of myself? That's a solid question. And I had the idea of the podcast in my head. I had, like, I was losing weight, I, and I did it. And um, I'll, you take three hits. And on the first hit, I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? <laughs> like, I made a bad decision. Question number two. <laughs> <laughs> Second hit, I'm like getting scared like i'm like you're feeling it third hit he tells me to close my eyes and Puts you have le- phones in your ears no you just close your eyes and you leave your bo- like you literally leave your body so dmt is the thing that is produced in the pineal gland it is released when you're born and when you die that is the chemical that your body releases so you, when so you're you born. So you technically die so you go to the dimension that you're in when you're not in this dimension if that makes sense. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like before death, before birth and after death. No, we got it. A, yeah, we, no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, we're with you. It just sounds fucking crazy. And, and the and thing d- is, you know what, what, what makes it more interesting, and I'm actually like super curious about it, yeah. um, is that everybody I've heard that has experienced DMT, like they have a lot of similarities with their stories and like what they felt. Yeah, it is. It is because there's someone who runs us all. The person that you talk to, like, I don't know if you guys ever have journaled before, but like the person you talk to in your head, the person you write to when you're journaling, that is a real person. Maybe not real like you and me, but real in the way that that's like our God. And in another dimension, that person is calling the shots on our life. And when I met that person that person to me in my vision i don't it felt as real as this conversation but i know people listening are like it's not real you're doing drugs it was buddha i went to the that dimension and buddha and you saw buddha i was in a room like this but with like sacred geometry everywhere everything moving just shapes and buddha's there and i ask him what can i do to be the best version of myself and he goes you already know what you need to do and you're on the right path which gave me this like eternal happiness that I've never, I can't describe. And um, it was quick. My eyes were closed for 30 seconds. That's what everybody says. It's like so quick. Mine was 30 seconds and I came back and I was like crying out of happiness because I did know what I needed to do to get to success. I did know the path. Like that was a year ago. I can't imagine where, I started my podcast 10 months ago. I can't imagine where I'm at now a year ago. And it was because God or whoever that was that I talked to told me that I knew what I needed to do. And I'm getting like emotional talking about it because it's a crazy thing. <laughs> no, it's a crazy thing. And people, thing, I know how it's like when you've never experienced it, it's words can't describe mm-hmm. the experiences you mm-hmm. go through. It's just. You know, and it's funny, like, because I've had conversations and brought it up before, like, with my immediates. And 
I tell them about it. I'm like, dude, everybody that has tried it tells me that it's like they unlocked this feature about them or this like confidence to just do something. And, you know, they're in the mindset that, you know, drugs are for turn up. And I'm like, that's just not one of those things you do for turn up. You know, it's not one of those things you go with the homies and, oh, we had a couple beers. Let's let's do some DMT. No, (laughs) no. And I, I'm not ready to do it again. Like I'm, well, at least, you know, too, because once some people, and the reason why I don't always do too many drinks because I like them. Mm-hmm. So I might get too attached to them. Or, you know, you kind of have that, like, I won't do shrooms all the motherfucking time. But I'll have a big trip or kind of a big fucking high every couple of months, every couple of whatever. Yeah. And um, for me, it does do that whole thing of, like, it kind of, not unlocks, but it lets me see a clear vision of what I want. You realize the world is bigger than what it is when you've never tripped before. You yeah. realize that there's other things that are happening around you that you can work on to better yourself. No, definitely. And that's right around when I started trying to experiment with, with, with that was right around I'm doing the self-help shit. Because I was like, I would call like people who were older than me that I knew were doing well and go, yo, what were you what would you tell your younger self? You know what I mean? Like, yo, you're talking, you're talking to me. I'm a younger self. Tell me some shit. Tell me, you know, what's the one thing you wish you would have put money towards? Because I'm, I'm just buying weed and pussy at this point. I'm just buying weed and pussy. Like, <laughs> I'm buying fucking Griselda hoodies and weed. That's yeah, all I spend in a new yeah, car. You know That's how I'm spending my money. You just spending your money. You live your life. But I was like, yo, I'm, I, I want a good life when I get older. So tell me what are those smart? Because I'm not dumb. I'm, a, I'm a little lazy, but I'm not stupid. So I'm gonna find a way to hustle and get what I want. And, you know, I just realized, like, everybody I look up to has done these drugs. And they all have these experiences. Like, everybody, actors that you enjoy, um, music, uh, you know, other artists, they all do some kind of drug. And I was just really curious because you hear lots of stories from motherfuckers. So that's why I did that shit. Yeah. I just feel like a lot of these things, like, for example, the natural ones, not the man-made stuff. And DMT is, in, is found in every living thing, right? Uh, yeah. Some, I think, like, the most popular source is, like, a toad or something, right? Yeah, like, I don't like, I've done acid once. I've never done coke. Like, I don't, I like weed mushrooms. Crazy DMT, thing is, yeah. I think uh, um, LSD was, like, developed for, like, high blood pressure or something like that. Some Something like that. I may be yeah. wrong. Some, I think it was actually, those. I could, this could be wrong and we could just be saying wrong facts at each other. I thought <laughs> it, was, it was developed to be like a truth serum in the army. They thought they were going to give it to people. For like PTSD or some shit? No, no. for to enemies. like enemies so that they would uh, tell them all their secrets. Oh, to confess and yeah. shit. That's make, it, make them drugs. Well, they, they used to have a thing, the FBI had some shit where they were getting homeless people high on LSD. Remember that? That happened with Charles Manson. Yeah, that was some cool, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what everybody was saying. Yeah. I don't know if it's true, but that's what they that were is, saying. Yeah, that was true. The they the FBI was because he was an informant for them too, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he he had worked with them. Which that's is, crazy. No, but going back to what I was saying, I think that you know all those natural ones are elements that you know were placed here for a reason. Like for example, look how we made firework, and I know I'm going way yeah. back, but there's I bet there's just so many things lost in history that we just don't know like the full purpose or like the utility for it so these substances might be one of those things well look back at history and uh moses abraham like these people who would go out on their own and meet god in the middle of nowhere go to the top of a mountain that's what they say about the bible stories like not for nothing but like i truly 
this sounds so weird because I I truly believe I met not not that we all have the same God, but like my God. Yeah. And that. That's the only one you need to know. Exactly. And that, <laughs> and that fact, was man. like, oh shit, like it's real. And I can leave my hands in the universe. I think that's the thing that changes is it is like a near death experience. It's like no matter what the universe has me. And that is the like eternal, that's like what that thing unlocks. Yeah, I definitely feel like I've always had a connection with the universe. I've always tell, and I feel like, you know how you're saying, I might sound a little crazy. Fuck that. You say that shit with an eye statement. You've you've seen your God. Because I always feel like when I was younger, people were trying to make me feel crazy. If I'm like, well, I feel like I can sense energy. I feel like I can see the energy. I feel like the universe talks to me. This, I'm like, just because you're not in tune with the universe don't mean I, I'm not in tune with my mm-hmm. universe. I've, I've always felt like the universe speaks to you and tells you and guides you and tells you what, what's real and what's not for you. It gives you omens. And if you follow those omens, then you're going to be on the right path. Like, shit, Conway the Machine was at the comedy store that day that I did stand-up the first time. That's crazy. He wasn't in the same room, but he was at the comedy store. Like, weird shit like that. Then I get to meet him two years later, tell him that story. He's a huge fan of stand-up. That then grows to, I'm interviewing Jay Skies, who signed a drum work. It's like, that's crazy. the universe just gives you weird shit like that. That's crazy. But I feel like, you know, we all have our own path and journey to being one. Yeah, you have your God who's trying to get you to your best self. Mm -hmm. You have your God that's trying to get you to your best self. And I have mine, you know? My God is a cheeseburger. (laughs) (laughs) Say that. (laughs) Say that. (laughs) Hey, Sam, where you from? Cape Cod, originally. Hey, so when you started doing uh, comedy, because, you know, I, I see you you travel for comedy, man. It, All the you know time. I mean, you, you go to, you, you said it on your podcast, too, you know, if you're scared of travel, you're not going to make it. Um, so you travel in New York, Connecticut, everywhere. You know, how does the comedy scene differ every time you go? Um, What we were talking about before, that there's people who are in it for the hangout, and there's people who actually want to do it, and that's the scene everywhere and there might be more people who actually want to do it in bigger scenes like boston but it is the same everywhere there's going to be cool people there's going to be shitty people a shout out al christakis who i think is the best comedian that is a name there because he's greek <laughs> uh, alexidros hercules christakis is his name god damn is he a comedian he's or a philosopher <laughs> <laughs> um but he was originally from cape too and when i started doing comedy he would drive two hours each way to do five minutes. And I was like, if I'm not outworking him, then I'm never going to make it. And Al's still one of my best friends in comedy now, but that's what I would do. I would drive anywhere, Connecticut, Worcester, Providence, Boston, New Hampshire, Maine, just to do my five minutes from Cape Cod. And I was working 60 hours a week, and I was dating a chick in New York. God so, damn! Why you <laughs> no, but you, but you know, you need those type of periods until, like, you know, keep the theme of uh, yeah. self help. And know? I learned that it's all the same. As long we were talking about this before, as long as like you're on your path, like I'm doing my stage time. I want to be better. It doesn't matter where I am. It doesn't matter. I could be doing a mic in New Hampshire in front of two people, or I could be doing that show at Brooklyn Comedy Club where I was the only person who wasn't a nationally touring headliner on the show, which was insane. Like, I was anxious for that. Yeah. You know, but I'll drive anywhere for it. Nah, that's that's fire, bro. And people have to see that work ethic. And I think pe- people don't, they undervalue it, which is why we, we talked before, we talked about, you know, 
you know, when you get a chance to pay a comedian, pay an artist, pay a producer, when you're in that position, make sure you do do the right thing. For people who put that time in, who put that work and who drove two hours, because I'm the same way. When I started, I'm like, I was like, damn, I got to drive 45 minutes to to only do five minutes. And if I get there late, it's going to be 20 dudes ahead of me and I got to stay there till 11 o'clock. Okay. Do you want to do it or not? Because yeah. <laughs> there is going to be someone who will do that if of you course. don't. Of you course. know, there's always there's people who work harder than me, and you know those people drive me. I'm not angry at those people. No, that's what I was circling back to. You need that healthy competition. Yeah. Well, I I wrote I wrote that on the Facebook, and everybody was so mad at me. But I was saying like you need competition. It can't be everybody can't be buddy buddy. And not to say that you can't be friends. You can be friends. But you have to be if I want to do professionally. Like if I go up there and Sam, you see me, you should say, you know, and not every time you don't have to criticize myself or some shit. But if it's like a big show that we're doing together, saying, like, "Yo, bro, I think that joke killed," I, you know, maybe or like if I sucked, you know, tell me, "Yo, bro, that was just you tried, but the set was just a little rough." Like I think I don't know. That's just me personally. No, I think, I've been know. trying to stop saying good set to people after they bomb. Because I'll say good set to everyone because they're my friends. Uh, if I see my friend, I'll be that. like, good yeah, set. Yeah, don't do that. But you can't do that. But then people get butt hurt. Like, they get butt hurt. If you don't like, tell them good I'll set. Just, yeah, I'll just smile at them and they'll be like, how is my set? And it's like, you want me to tell you? Like... Fuck, my friends are mean to me when I get on stage. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what you, you know how do. you said was? You was yeah, Exactly. Yeah. That's what did, I was going to say. You, you should, you should be like, what, what do you think? You should know how you're Yeah, set. what do you like, think? Yeah. Yeah, like, no. You think, like, rap. You think West Side Gun ever gets out of the studio and is like, I don't know how that track was. Like, yeah. <laughs> like no, that dude has the most confidence in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you got to do. No, I'm with you, man. I don't, like I said, I, I don't tell nobody good set. I don't dap nobody unless... I like the set. And if I know you, which is not that many people, if I know you and you did a set, I told, um, I saw Charismatic go, and I was like, yo, bro, uh, your first half was like, yeah, but that second half, you killed it, bro. You know what I mean? Like, I, what I got to lie for you? you grow, if you're a grown-ass person, I'm not going to lie to you about your set if we're friends. If we're not, I just don't say nothing to you because yeah. I don't. And believe it or not, people that are won't get butt hurt, that want to grow, that are real with themselves will value that way more than you telling them like, yo bro you killed everything keep doing what you're doing like if i if i see a friend of mine's go leave the stage a minute early i said damn bro you should have just finished that minute because it's not me trying to criticize you is that yo as a stand-up comedian our job if we get booked for five minutes is to hit five minutes so if you didn't hit five minutes i'm like ah, right, you know bro. and to make the l- audience laugh no matter what if it's one old woman or if it's a sold out crowd like you're paid to make them laugh i hate it's when a, people get off stage and they're like the audience sucked or like mm. oh the fucking that like and yes there are times where this happens but where it's like oh man like every comic on the show sucks so that's why i sucked it's like no you're paid to be funny like it doesn't matter if everyone else like the if the audience win them over Mm-hmm. Learn tips. That's why people are professionals. Ten years in, is because they learned enough tips that if an audience isn't feeling it, they know a little trick to get them in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No. Definitely. You. You. Once again, you have to be doing it long enough, and you just and you also gotta be funny. 
Yeah, you got to you got to be funny. A lot of people aren't funny. A lot of people, and so you know that brings me to the to the Boston scene. Not because a lot of people aren't funny, but it's because I feel like you know I, I, that's where I spent a lot of my time. I I'll go anywhere for comedy, really, but. Most most of the comedy I do is in Massachusetts. You know what I mean. So talk about how do you feel about the Boston scene now? I see. I I like the bo- people talk shit about the Boston scene, but I like it only because there's so much before quarantine time to get up on stage. I don't give a I don't give a fuck about the people, and I have great friends in the Boston scene, but like that's. What's more important is, oh, can I get up two times a night? Can there, I get there's up room three for times growth. a night? There's room exactly. Because okay. like, it's, it's really about your personal, your personal career. Because not for nothing, if there's a bunch, if the scene sucks, it's easier to grow. It's easier to get to the top. And I'm not saying the Boston scene sucks, but it's easier to get to the top if people around, if you are working harder and bringing a higher quality. And then it gets to clickiness and stuff. But... If a room's super clicky, like if a room's super clicky, fuck it. I don't want to perform there. You know? Yeah. You don't like me. Who cares? People aren't going to like me. Yeah. I've learned to to do places where, dude, I I did one spot where it was just, it was Trumpville, bro. It was Trumpville. And I was just sat there like I was the only brown. Like I'm not that dark, but I was the darkest person in that goddamn place. Everybody looked at me and I was like. Well, this is going to go well. And I'm like, if this was a year ago, I would have left. You know yeah. what I mean? But now, man, if y'all like comedy, y'all like comedy. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to do my jokes. I'm going to kill. Um, if you think I'm fucking funny, I'm funny. But it, it is what you're put in very different rooms. And well, and then you can tell me about your experience with Boston. But like when I first got into comedy, I was I was just surprised. I was like, damn. this is a bu-. Like I would go to a show and there would be like the drag queen crew yeah like and no disrespect i just i never i didn't even think that that's that i would be in a room with a bunch of white dudes who all love um transgender women so i'm sitting here just baffled like very and it was so white and it was like that it is crazy the little like because it is like that they think it's a diverse scene but it's not a diverse scene it's not i notice every person of color that ever goes to entity does anything yeah, and I try to I try to name them all. I try to like you know say what up to all of them because it's not that many. Yeah, Gerby is a big you know Gerby like he's yeah. like big about that. Like he's like I'll give props to like because it it's not as uh, it's not especially you think Boston, but I guess maybe not. But like it's not diverse. Expand uh, expand on it not being diverse. Do you mean like the crowd or like the the comics comedians? And, the comedians like the amount of shit. I, and this isn't diversity at all. But the amount of shit I get for interviewing rappers. It's just weird. It's like, like no, like that's weird to me. It's like all these people they just want their style of comedy. They just want com, like, preppier white comedians telling jokes to like those audiences, like the very woke, very because they want to be comfortable. They want to be comfortable and, yeah. and and seeing a person of color, seeing a rapper, seeing like I, I would go to shows and I would be with you know I I, I would bring. There'd be shows where I bring just like four people, five people to come see me. And the, the host, depending on where we're at, they'll be like, we see the gangsters. And I'll just be like. Well, that's not for nothing. Yeah. You just I would, write that down. You just mentally write that down in your head. Like, I okay. would bring my friends to shows. And like in college especially, like I was the token white friend. Yeah. Whatever. 
But like I'd bring and every single time the host would like call out my friends. And it's like I can't then fight the host of the show I'm about to to get on get on because you're being racist to my friends. And then I can't, then my friends don't think I'm defending them to the guy that's and it's like I, then you just don't want to bring your friends. And then it becomes less diverse. You know what I mean? It's, it's like just, yeah, it's just now it's just that's weird. Well, man. it's because it's a lot of white every people, time white people don't about. understand what their privilege and not not to say all oh, white people just have a bunch of privilege, but because it's their space and it's your everything, and when we get there, instead of making just instead of being regular, just being a regular person, you don't gotta do nothing extra. They would do something extra, like call out on you, and it don't gotta be nothing negative, but it could just be something that they don't. It's like, an easy joke to them. It's like, oh, this is an easy way to get a laugh because it's something out of the ordinary. And, and, and oh, you like, out. Yeah, you st- everybody would notice when I, when I call these people thugs. But they well, would never call the transgender person. They'd never be like, look at fucking Caitlyn over here. You know what I mean? Like, they would never do that <laughs> no, shit. No, for real, they won't. So that was my experience. When I walked in, I was like, man, I was like, first of all, everywhere I go, I'm the darkest person in the room, and I'm not that dark. And everywhere, I, like, I would go places and, like, a person would skip my name or something. I'm just, I'd not be confused. I would ask them, like, yo, bro, what, how you skip my name, bro? Like, because I'm not fearful. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't care if I wear I'm like, yo, bro, I'm, I'm a man. You a man. I'm actually, I'm signing up like everybody else signed yeah. up. And it was just weird to me, like, how white and gay the scene was. I just wasn't prepared for that. Yeah. Because it is a part of, like, popular comedy. Like, the black comedy scene is, like, you know, like... Great comics. Like, Chappelle's the top comic, but that isn't represented on the smaller scene. It is, like, all John Mulaney's or all, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Lucy K's, yeah, just yeah. a bunch of white boys. And this, Which is, not- I'm part of that. Like, I am part of that, and I know, but, shit, I also don't, stand out. If you're a white dude, stand out. Don't do the same shit that everyone else is doing. Be, if you want to be inclusive, do what you, like, it is. Yeah, it's it's just about being funny. So 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 question for you guys as as comedians, uh, what is the most popular reaction that you guys get when you tell people that that that's what you guys do? Uh like a comedian. Like when I tell people I'm a comedian, um, they're always shocked. People people are always shocked that I'm uh, like if if they don't know me and we're just talking because I've always battled with this. Like I have an I have an occupation. I work for the state. I can get good money, and hopefully, from this, nobody from the state ever watch me. But you know what I mean. Like, I I, I have a, a regular job. But when you ask me, yo, what do you do? It's like I do comedy. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know how you were saying you don't cram and shit. I listen to myself. Like I listen to three of the same sets that I did. Not they're not exactly the same. Cause I tell them different every time. But three of the, three of my sets. Um, j- while I'm jogging, while I'm when I'm in the car, and I'll pause the meeting and just think. And I'll just think of other words or like other pieces to put in there. Um, when even before stage, I'll do a bunch. So like, I do comedy in my head all the fucking time. So people ask me, "What do you do?" I'm like, I gripple between my occupation and fucking. You know what I mean? Like actually doing comedy. What, what do you tell people? I tell I tell people that I I, I I'm a comedian, which. It sucks because then they're always like telling me a joke. I know, I, and it's like I don't really have jokes yeah, like so that. Please. That's true. all the time, and I'm not gonna tell no one a joke. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, you want me to offend you? Like, you want to get offended right off the bat? Because I'm not gonna be able to like introduce myself, do a clean little thing, like a clean yeah. bit to get like the only one liner I have 
and no one wants to hear this joke, is MILFs are like the used cars of women. Ooh. So what if it has a few <laughs> dents that fit a family inside of it? <laughs> like, that's literally my only one-liner I have, that's and that's one. not a joke I'll I get can offended. just I'll tell. Get, like, if, if someone, I'll get offended if someone says, yo, tell a joke. You don't tell a dancer, yo, oh, you a dancer, dance, bitch. You, yeah. you, I just don't, and I forget where so I you're seen You're a horse like this dick. Yeah, 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 you a horse suck. It's like, <laughs> I don't just jump, nigga, when you say jump. If you tell, like, yo, I'm a... I'm trying to be a professional comedian, so I tell jokes for a living, and that's what I'm trying to do. I don't go around ha ha and telling jokes. Like, I just think it's weird to tell somebody to do what they do right there. Like, yo, c- I come watch me live. Yeah, you know? yeah. I it, I think that'd be interesting if somebody goes like, oh, I'm an adult uh, movie star. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> let me see. Bust the move. Yeah, yeah, yeah bust like, <laughs> Prove it to me. Prove it to Pop me. Pop that like, pussy. Yeah, do something. Like, yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's too much, man. People, Let me get a free month. <laughs> people are just weird like that, but... Yeah, like, if I saw a chick with OnlyFans, I would be like, show me a nude. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, like, you know that Prove one. it to me. <laughs> what is something you won't joke about? Nothing. And that gets me in trouble. Because I literally... Like, I mean... I think it's crazy that today people, white comics, would still say the N-word on stage... Even if you think you have a great joke, nah, just because I, I don't know, I've never even heard nobody say that. The really? Man. At a skew, I heard it like three times in the past couple of months. Damn, I, I've been there a lot. No, I think that's weird, man. I think it's I. It's like it's like saying, like I, like I don't like want for like, the Asian word. Or yo, something. Yeah, yo, yeah, or yeah. like the gay word. Like, yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'll say cunt on stage, but even it's like, as I said, like I want to make people laugh. And I'm a fucked up person. My closing jokes about school shootings, like I joke about, se- I'll joke, I'll make like race jokes. But it is crazy to me. Like I would know, I don't get why anyone's like, I have the N word joke that's gonna change comedy. Yeah, like at an open mic, like some white dude from Providence, Rhode Island, is gonna be the dude who changes what how we think about that word. You know what I mean? Like that's the only shit I wouldn't. I, I can't, I can't rock with people who. Because sometimes they sing it and it's a shock value thing that they want. So if you're here for shock value, I, I can't. That's why I can't watch some comedians. Like some some pe- people out there really bore me. Yeah. And this is for real because they're not up there telling a joke to try and get the shock value by saying the N-word. Or they're trying to, or they lie too much. Or, or they're reading, you know, the straight, you know, word yeah. by word joke. And I'm just like, I, I mean, like. jiggy with this shit. Yeah, it's just hard for me, man. It's hard for me because like we were saying earlier, our time. And now that you do a lot of things, you understand how valuable your time is. Whether it's, you know, hours for research on on a, on a guest or it's hours editing or some or something. You, you know, you understand your, your time is super valuable. And it's like, it's tough, dude, watching some dude for, watching people go on stage for three attention, hours and they suck. Attention is the universal currency. Like, for real, like, I don't want to give my attention to people who are, like, not doing it right. You know? Like... When people when six nine was real big, I would be like, people would ask me what I think about him, and I'd be like, let's change the subject because I'm not trying to give him attention. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. Try, I don't, I don't like him. I don't care about. Yeah, yeah, let's not bring like, him up. I don't. You know what I mean? It's like it's not worth my attention, and that's why I hate that shock stuff where it's like, yeah, you probably got attention as a kid saying crazy shit, and now you think it's funny, and now you that's what how you get your affirmation now. It's like no, <laughs> nah, yeah, it, it's tough. Man. Are there any local comedians that that when you were watching kind of inspired you to? Al Christakis, number one, and he's 
he's still like he's two years more in than me. He's not like a headliner. He's, yeah, but you can but, look up to anybody. But Al Christakis, yeah. I look up to more than anybody in the scene. Um, Sam J. Uh, do you know Sam J? I don't know him, but I, I I would like see their name come up on like. Yeah, so um, she uh, started in Boston. She was a writer for SNL. She actually her wow. H, her HBO show just dropped this week Fine. on HBO Max. She has a new TV show. But when I was seventeen, and I would go to the Laugh Boston shows, she would see me like sitting by myself, and come talk to me. And she was like the first person in comedy that. Like gave me advice. I was sixteen, seventeen. Now showed you love. Showed me so much love, and it's crazy to see her where she is at now. But like that—that's my biggest. Like that's an inspiration because she really like paved the way and painted it. Because people in Boston didn't give her a ton of love when she was here. Now, if you ask anybody, do you love that Sam happens, Jay? Man, that They're happens. like, she's the fucking best. But it's like when I was talking to her, she was just like. Like how I do it. It's like she's a little bit a part of the scene. Like she travels around doing it, but it's people weren't giving her love. She wasn't getting booked on every single show. You know? Nah, but now look at her. She's on top. Like she's one of the, she has a Netflix special. Like maybe, crazy shit. Right. But once you have a Netflix special, I feel like, man, once you. Dollar, e- dollar bill, even if, y'all. You know, I, I've, because I've seen how hard comedy is, I respect the hell out of comedians not not only if you have a Netflix special but if you have a, a a 30 minute one that you shot yourself and you paid for and it looks nice it's like yo I respect that hustle because it's it's hard like mm-hmm. I, I feel like comedians is hard bro it's hard to be a full time professional comedian because you have to be funny every year mm-hmm. you know what I mean like, and you, ha- you have to be consistent you have to grow and there's a million other comedians so talking about it being a grind and being difficult and like the consistency you got to show, um, this is a question I think you both are very equipped to answer. Why do you think you got um, so many people that are entering the the comedy industry um, choose to go be a performer rather than write jokes where like the real money's at? Um, I'll say everybody's everybody's different. So I feel like some writers might not, and maybe you could attest this, some people don't have the confidence. Because you're not only telling jokes, and this is how I, I view comedy on stage, you're entertaining people. Because maybe I'm not funny for five minutes straight, but I'm entertaining for five minutes straight, and I'm funny three and a half minutes. But the other minutes, I'm t- you know, I'm setting up the joke, you know, um explaining who I am a little bit, I'm, you know, just telling you guys a little bit about myself. But for three minutes, you're laughing. But for five minutes, for the whole five minutes, you're entertained. So I, I feel like it's not as easy as people always think it is. And I, You know, people people tell me sometimes, they, they might see other people perform at open mic and be like, I could do this. Mm. I'm like. <laughs> Go do it. Then, for real, for real, that gets me a little peeved, a little bit. Because I'm like, man, if you, you think, like. You don't do nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have a job. You don't do nothing. You think you can go up there and go on stage? Self, self-proclaimed experts, man. That's what I call well, them. I think it's the same thing as, like, rap. Like, people are like, oh, they're just mumbling. They're like, oh, listen to Playboy Cardi. And they're like, oh, he's just mumbling. I could do that. It's like, no, you fucking can't. <laughs> you don't understand the years that go into making it seem like you don't care. Like, yeah. that's what it is. Like The reps. Rap and comedy is, like, trying to give as much of a fuck without showing any. You yep. know what I mean? It's like, you're supposed to show like you just came up that's with like it the on the ultimate spot. flex to me though and that's what it is but it's about the grind it's about the grind and then you go up on stage stage and you're like 
oh, I just came up with this on the spot, but no, I've been thinking about it for two years. You know what I mean? I bring bits back from my first couple bits because I'm like, oh, I can make that work now. Yeah, because you get it now. You you get why it wasn't hitting before. And you're like, oh, if I put it in here now, if I, or if people think I'm funny, and you know, I get a different rhythm going on. It's ego, though. It's like um, you have to realize you suck to be good. Some people they're like, oh no, I'm gonna be good, and maybe they get a few laughs, and then they're like. I'm good. That's all I need to do. Like, I got it. This is my level. But they, they, they cool with dropping 30 at the YMCA. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's not like you have to realize even, every time you get better, that just means you're at a low, the bottom of the pool of a larger barrel of yeah. people. That's a great way to think about it. And too. That, is the be- that is the thing that drives me more than anything is no matter what I get, how good I get, I'm just at the bottom of another bigger pool, you know? And Well, that's why I like. I and I, I've talked to Mike about this. Like I've thought about moving to Texas and thought about moving to. I mean, I'm still thinking about moving to Houston or Dallas. Um, to, you know, just because sometimes, like, like I said, man, I'm trying to go into a comedy scene that's bigger than me, bigger than you know where a lot of people are, are, are headed to, and then compete and be in rooms where maybe the the comedians here are all trying to do it for a living. Because we said this before, like you run into people who are trying to do it for fun, mm-hmm. and some people trying to do it for a living. Mm-hmm. And those who are doing it for a living are wired different. You know what I mean? They're, they're responsible a little. You know, they're more responsible. They're they're trying to take this profession serious because they, they haven't gotten paid for it. Well, look at you guys. You guys have the studio, which you have to pay money to rent yep. out. Like, you were very, like, the amount of texts you sent me, like, to get ready before the podcast, like, calling me. Like, you guys are treating the podcast like a profession and that's why you get more success than other people. Where it's like, I'm just gonna record a conversation with me and my friends. Yeah, it's like that, you're not, they they see the video, they hear the clip, but there's just a lot. It's that goes a into lot. It. You have to treat you, it like you a know prof- it. Yeah, exactly. It's like people. That's what I mean. People talking shit like, oh, you're just talking to rappers. Like, you think it's easy <laughs> yeah. to get? Like, do you know how many people have ignored my DMs? Yeah, literally, oh, yeah, I've facts. been waiting Talk about three it. hours for a podcast. The guy never shows up, never DMs me again. Like, I've created graphics for the podcast. Whatever. It's just another day in the business. Because if I let that hold me back, then I'll never keep moving. It's like... Something similar happened to us, and I'm not going to mention the person, but um, at the beginning, we had somebody locked in, and we promoted it, everything. Dude even shared the, the, the post. And then the day of, no call, no show. Yeah, and that... But that's not blaming the audience it's like yeah they suck but you just got to keep moving there's always Mm -hmm. another episode there's always another you got to treat it like a professional like yeah like if i was running a business and someone fucked me over like maybe someone who was shipped i work at a restaurant and the person who ships napkins didn't ship the napkins and like ignored me i could Hit my business against him, write bad shit online, like try to ruin yeah. his business. Focus on your energy. On, on or him. I could find another napkin dealer who maybe has a better fucking deal yeah. or is easier to work with, and then use my time for that. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you gotta you gotta use your focus time. on a solution. There's so there's limited amount of time. You gotta use it not for pettiness or like getting mad, but the amount of times I've been stood up by guests is crazy and then they're like oh yeah you're just talking to these rappers you know it's yeah, like it's, no it's, it's, I, that's why it's disrespectful that's why i can't yeah. work with everybody mike knows this i can't work with everybody 
Because if you don't respect what we do, if you don't respect what you do, I know you're going to disrespect what we do. Yeah. So I don't really want to be next to a person. That's why you see I try to call. I try to be honest. Yeah, yeah, this is this is where we're at. You can park here. You know, I, I try. We try. We call every guest to talk to them to be like, right, this is the path we want to go on. This is what we want to do. Um, anything that we can help you with? Do you want us to bring anything? Like we have yeah. a like a kind of a, a script almost that when we talk to people because you have to be. We're competing with large radio. We're competing yeah. with. You know, large corporations who hire six different people. And I'm be honest, I don't even do that shit. And after you did that yesterday, and after like you, t- literally, I was sitting in my car earlier, being like, "I'm gonna implement this shit on my podcast." <laughs> like, I'm gonna be like, really? I was like, "What you guys are doing is better than what I was doing for my pre-show," and like, I'm gonna implement that, and that's great because you guys yeah, are yeah. treating it like a profession. No, dude, and and that's that's what we want everybody to do. We it's like we. Ha- because we want to set the standard, we we want you to feel like when after you know we have a couple other great ideas coming up, but when after you come on this podcast, I want you to be like, yo, I had a great time. Yeah, you know what I mean. I I not only did I have a great time, I was comfortable. I was offered anything that I that I wanted. Um, you know, they showed up. They had great questions. We didn't talk about the shit I didn't want to talk about. Yeah. You know, like because we've been in positions where the guys like he you know he doesn't want to talk about something. And it's like it kind of looks bad on camera that we didn't, you know what I mean? And we're just trying to keep everything cool, but we're glad at least that you got that. Like you got that one thing from us is like fire, bro. No, because I'm a fan of yours. I appreciate no, facts, that, but facts. that is like it's a real thing. It's people will always remember how you made them feel. Yeah, because now I'm doing a mic tonight, so this isn't. But hypothetically, like, oh, I'm going to interview a rapper that you guys really love, and he asks me, "How? What did you do today?" And I had a good time on the podcast. So I was like, oh, shit, I did this really awesome podcast. Had a great time. It's called Say That. You should check it out. Or if I had a bad time, I'd be like, oh, shit. It's all like, you know what I mean? And then the guy that you guys like is then, oh, I would never do that. You know what I mean? Or he's like, you reach out to him in a couple months. It's like, oh, I remember him saying that. Yeah. You know? Well, we need that because... The reason why I we always talk about this is we need your podcast to be the, at its best and our podcast and other podcasts because when people come do press runs and they stop in Boston, they might do nine, they might do jamming or something. They might do like a big radio, but they don't do stops everywhere. Mm-hmm. When artists go to Cali or New York, they stop in six different places. They have six different, six at the same fucking conversation. All the units put it out there. All, all six of the fucking uh, media outlets get paid. Yeah. So when I have a guest and he's and he's big and famous, yo, come touch our fan base. Go and then hit Sam's after, and then ho- go hit somebody else, and then go hit Lit Boss, and then, and that's why we have to always try to make each other better. It's not a big competition, but it's about setting the goddamn standards. Yeah, facts, facts. Um, so podcasting, man, bucked up, bucked up. It came out of a DMT trip. <laughs> it did a, bra- a breakup and DMT trip. That's what the podcast came. That's out crazy. Of. That's crazy. Shout out to you for doing that. Um, seventy two. Episodes- shout out to her. <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to her. Shout out for, to her for breaking the heart. For breaking the heart. <laughs> Shit. Shout out to uh, failed plans. Right. Yeah, for real. That I feel for like real. that's like one of the best. When bad teachers. shit happens. That's the best way to grow. Facts. Absolutely, I believe in that too. Um, but seventy-two episodes in, man, uh, what what is bucked out about? Bucked up about? Man, it's it was funny. My first couple episodes were a self-help podcast with friends, like com- local comedians, like yeah. other my open mic friends. And then uh, episode thirteen, thirteen, I think. 
lucky number 13. There's this producer who I had been listening to. He'd worked with Blue. He had worked with a Little Brother. He had worked with just some names I really liked. And, Blue, um, uh, BLU? Yeah. I yeah. love that dude. He's so fucking nice. dope. And um, I was like, I found him on Instagram. I was just, I was, I was, and he only had 700 followers. Wow. And I was like, that's about as many followers as I have. Maybe he'd be willing to come on the podcast and talk. I, and I DM'd him and he's like, yeah, I'd love to come on the podcast and talk. And we had a great conversation. And after that, I was like, oh, I can like DM people and maybe they'll respond. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. then I just started doing that. And then those people that I had on, like shout out Big Mont, shout out the Hologram Mayhem Lorenz brother, been on like Action Bronson, his debut album with DJ Muggs is coming out this summer. Just like the early people on my podcast that did respond and what did give me a chance. Because I, it's a lot to take an hour out of your day, especially when you are like, at a bigger level mm-hmm. to um, take it out and be interviewed. So those early people then introduced me to more people, which then when, when you DM someone and they see a certain amount of people follow you that they know, then it gives you a little bit more credibility. And then I just love talking to rappers. Like I've been listening to rap. I was listening to Mob Deep and Ice Cube when I was four years old, like I, with my dad. Like I love, so... I had a passion for it, and it just started growing and growing. And honestly, when I did that DMT, I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know I was going to have a rap podcast. I didn't know I was like, I was going to be talking to fuck next week. Like I didn't know. I, and you're doing numbers. You're doing like it's not like you just got. A, you know how some people got a low ass podcast. You don't got a little ass podcast. Yeah, no, I've been doing. I I do. I mean, I do very well and more than I expected to do at this point. Congratulations, man! Thank you very much. Yeah, and tell tell everybody where they can find the podcast. Oh yeah, subscribe on YouTube to Bucked Up Podcast. Um, it's also on Apple, Spotify, all the podcast platforms. But if you want to watch it, it's on YouTube, and then you can follow me on Instagram, Sam C Buck, and Bucked Up Podcast. But yeah, if you just Google Bucked Up Podcast, and I do two episodes a week, so literally, like, I do that so you can just search back and be like, oh, I recognize that name, and you can listen to an episode for four months ago. Yeah. Which is fire. Um, so self-help, man. Like, I feel like it's a really um, growing industry, especially with our generation. Um, so what are some of the minds, books, or authors that inspired you to even start a podcast that's self-help? Well, when I was like 16, 15, I had no positive influences in my life. Like, I shout out my parents. I love my <laughs> parents. Shout out my parents. But they aren't positive influences on my life when i look at their lives they're not lives that i want to emulate and i love them but they aren't i'm just you know what i mean that's tough that's tough a tough thing to say too yeah and no one in my life was honestly so then when i got in that hockey accident i started listening to a lot of joe rogan and joe rogan was the first positive influence on my life on a That's large crazy. scale. Like, Joe Rogan's that dude. Joe I'd be that listening dude. to so many hours of him and he would be telling me how to get healthy. He'd be telling me how to like work on my mind. He'd be telling me how to follow my dreams and my passions. And no one had ever done that for mm-hmm. me before. No one. And shit, like that, that kicked my ass that I knew that was what I was going to do. And so when I did all that shit, DMT, I was like, I want to figure out other like what books did he read to, that got him started or what books did other people I like read. So like 
The Alchemist is one of the best. That book, if anyone wants to read a book that'll change their life, if they don't want to do DMT, if you don't want to do yeah. DMT, just read The Alchemist. I listen, feel like that's like a famous book. That yeah, listen to the it's audio. A classic. It's just a classic. listen to the audio book if you don't want to fucking read it. But yeah, I do that audio book, books. Listen when you're. It's like so short that that book is like The War of Art is another oh, the one. Art of War. No, The War of Art the by War Stephen Art. Pressfield, not the Sun Tzu oh, okay. one. Uh, War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. That made me realize that my mind is the only thing, literally the only thing holding me back is resistance in your mind. Mm -hmm. Your mind telling you mm -hmm. aren't going to be good enough. Your mind telling mm -hmm. you you don't have enough time. Your mind telling you that book changed my life. Um, then there was, I just went through all these, like a lot of uh, Jordan, uh, not uh, a lot of uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books. I love him, bro. Yeah, Malcolm Gladwell, him. especially his audio books because he has such a great we, way of We talking. got some right there, the Outliners. Yeah, yeah Outliers. Yeah. That book That's was- That's a good book. That's the, a good one. Another one. And it's, but Joe Rogan. That's the, you know. For me, because um, it's funny enough, when I first started the podcast or wanted to do podcasts, I wanted to do something motivational as well. Um, the person for me was Napoleon Hill. Okay. So he's the author of Think and Grow Rich, mm -hmm. uh, The 15 Laws of Success. Um, but Malcolm Gladwell's a beast too, man. He monster. Um, I'm with you on the Joe Rogan too. Joe Rogan was like, I mean, he wasn't all that for me because um, I found him much later in my life. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, like, I wasn't really into podcasts and then I would watch Joe Rogan clips and he just wasn't talking about the same shit all the time. You know what I mean? Like he would interview this person, that person, do this, do that, do that. So I was, I, I was, I was really interested in his life. Mm -hmm. He's the way he spoke. I loved it. But then you could see the way he lived because he was a public figure, kind of, and it kind of backed everything that he would say. You know what I mean? And that's why I really, I grew a lot of respect for him. And the same thing, he was preaching health, mental, uh, mental health. He was preaching like wellness. You know, he was, he, he, you know, you have some kind of the same beliefs. And when you kind of mm -hmm. believe the same thing, you're like, ah, I could follow this dude. You know, and the thing, too, with him is, like, if he doesn't know something, he'll say. He'll say, I don't know something. So 90% of the times I feel like when he's saying something, it's from, like, personal experience, like, practical application. So Wanting to learn, yeah. He's one of the few people that made me want to get into podcasting. Him and, funny enough, I would watch the, the, the Daily Show. And so the first podcast I did, which was called Fresh Off the Stage, was kind of a mix of like the Daily Show and my own spin, cause I would. The whole point of it is that I would do it the day after I went on stage, which was like every other day, and um, I would talk about how the set went and you know blah blah blah, and then I would talk, and then I would do like a almost like a news like pop culture news section type shit. That's dope, man. Yeah. And it's, I do, I feel like I try to copy a lot of the stuff he does now. Like, you probably see influence, but also you have to do your own thing. Like, well, yeah, you have to, and then the older you get, the, how old do you feel about me asking? 23. Yeah, yeah, I you're mean. You're 23? Yeah. And like, Sam, Sam I'm Buck. I'm young as fuck. Yeah, you're young, you're not. What the fuck? Yeah, you got a bad hairline. <laughs> 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 That's why I don't wear hats no more. <laughs> they age me. Nah, bro, but like, you know, the, just. The, the more you do shit, the older you get, the less you care about certain shit and the more energy you could focus on. Like, um, what's that book? How to Unfuck Yourself, I think it's called. Unfuck yeah. Yourself, yeah. And um, you know, they, they had put into words some shit that I'm always thinking. Like, when you give a fuck about too many things, you can't really give a fuck a lot about the thing you really want to care about. So when you let other shit stress you and, and let, let a reaction get out of you, it's like... 
you know, you're spending, you're giving too many fucks for that thing that doesn't deserve that much when you should, like I said, the older you get, the less fucks you put into the stupid shit, the more fucks you put into the shit you're Absolutely. trying to do. No, and that's where, like, mindfulness comes into play as well, because, like, being conscious of, like, all right, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling? Is this feeling even justified? You know what I mean? You gotta be it, aware, self-awareness. It takes too much energy to give a fuck about something that's really not that important. So, just well, being... The- yeah, it's well. Just looking back, a breakup. You know what I mean? It's like, oh shit, everyone has breakups. But in that moment, it was so like monumental. Oh my god! Of course, you know what I mean? But then you look back on it, and you're like, well, it's nothing. Yeah. yeah. No, it it's one of those things that when it happens, your body feels things without you even telling it to feel things. Yeah. And because I, you know, I think we all been there as men. You, you know, you had a girl that you really loved. You, you know, you had expectations for the future, and when it doesn't result in in that, even if you're the one that breaks it off, I've had, I've been sad even after I wanted to. to yeah. yeah, you know what of I mean. Course. And so, when your body starts feeling shit that you that you didn't ask for it to fucking feel, it's hard. It's hard. Or as even fuck. if you decided, like, yeah, I just want to move forward from this. Yeah. Like, it's still tough. It's still tough. Even if you don't want to do it. Especially when you're young. Like, that's what I mean. Like, looking back, like, oh, I was 20. I'm 23 now. Like, really like, calm the fuck down. Like, <laughs> you know? But, like, when you're 16 and oh, you fall in love for the first bruh. time and everyone's Ooh. like, it's not going to work out. And Shut you're like, the what fuck the? Up. You know, you're like, you know I nothing. love her. I love her. <laughs> you know, and it doesn't work out. It's six months. It's four months. But you, it's that first feeling. It's like, in the moment, it feels so monumental because you haven't had that much time. But then you look back, you're like, I was only sixteen. Yeah, like, I, was I don't know what the fuck I was worried about. For real, yeah, I like, thought that was the uh, the rest of my life. Yeah, and you're like, when you're talking God. about like, give it, putting, fuck, the fucks, like, yeah. It's like I'm 23, like. I don't want to ruin it with doing that. Like, I don't want to ruin the good thing I have coming with, like, giving fucks about other shit. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, bro. And then and that, we talked about the universe. When you start trusting yourself and trusting the universe, you're going to you're gonna put yourself in a better position, whether it's with the girl, whether it's with... Who, like, you're going to start putting yourself... Because then you start valuing yourself and going, like, I'm not being in certain positions. Whether it's a girl, whether it's comedy, whether it's whatever. I'm, I'm going to demand my respect. I'm going to demand X, Y, and Z. Dem- Why? Because I put the work in. You know what I mean? Like, when, if you know you're good at what you do, and you, every time you do it, you do it good than a motherfucker, it's like you're not going to settle for disrespect. You're not going to settle for people. to like Because crit- some people will criticize the fuck out you for any joke. Uh, the way you say it, it's like, I don't want to hear that shit, motherfucker. That's not yeah. even real criticism. But it's like you, once you start trusting the universe, shit's gonna fall into place. And that when that young love shit that happens to everybody, it is cra- that is crazy. And y- you get so mad when people are like, "It won't work out." But it's true. It's like you can't. It's like when no relationship will work out. I don't. I mean, you're you you, have, you just had a baby. Congratulations. Yeah. Like until you're settled, until you have like life around you settled. Like that's why, like. I was. I'm going to New York every. I'm like. I don't have life. I've lived with my mom. I can't have a relationship. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. And, the, like, and the thing too that's very important that a lot of people I feel like overlook is that you got to be comfortable with you. You got to be happy with being you. you as gotta, a guy, you got to get out of that fucking out your system. Yeah, exactly. You got to. You got <laughs> to fuck all the girls you want to fuck, and you got to fuck all the ways you want to fuck, and you have to, bro. For real, for real. When you're young, you just don't know all you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So you might undervalue yourself on the way up by being with somebody who you don't really love or being with and then making that mistake and having a young yeah. baby. Like I was, I'm not old as fuck. I'm just a little bit older, but 
I'm lucky because w- once I got comfortable with myself and knowing who I was, I was like, okay, I could accept X, Y, and Z. So if I wanted, when I wanted to be a hoe, I wanted to be a hoe, but I knew my value as a hoe. I wasn't a cheap hoe. You couldn't just fuck me. You yeah. know what I mean? You couldn't. It couldn't be just any girl out the rain. Men have to respect themselves and give themselves that love. Nobody's gonna give you that love. Fact. So it's like you gotta buy yourself that nice car. You gotta do your shit so that when you meet somebody, the expectation is this is already how I carry myself. Yeah, you can't mm-hmm. be dressing for them. You gotta dress how you want to dress. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that I I got my fucking outer like when I was sixteen. I think my mom my mom thought I was gay. Like she was convinced. Our <laughs> kids look a little gay. To be honest. <laughs> like she was convinced. So then when I got wow. my first girlfriend, she was like. It's not, dude. She can sleep in your room. I don't oh give a God. fuck. So when I was 16, I could just let girls sleep in my room. Like, my mom didn't care. Yo, so shout out mom, like, bro. I was just fucking... Shout cra- out to I got mom. into crazy shit early. Like, I got, like, yeah, yeah. what I like, what I wanted to do out early. But that's just because of that situation. But that's good. You, you, have get that shot you have to know what you want. Because if not, you're going to spend a lifetime staring and wondering about that's that the wh- pussy. I'll have friends who will fuck, like, no, nah, whatever your number is. Who cares? It's your number, but it'll fuck like two people. And they don't know yet. And maybe they're trying to settle, but it's like, you don't even know. You haven't tried enough pussy to see what pussy you really like. Exactly. You, gotta, you don't know what things you like. You don't like, you haven't gotten like crazy head where you're like, yeah. all right, that was too much. I don't yeah, want yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah. too much. You you're making, me look, you're making <laughs> me look like a bitch over yeah. here. Chill out. <laughs> but dudes who will like hook up with their first crazy girl that does like, that yeah. first nympho. Yeah, and then, yeah, that first like girl who's really fucking fucking. Yeah, nah, 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 nah. You you're think like, you're horny until you run into this girl. <laughs> That's what I mean. You think you got the craziest sex drive until you be like, damn, I killed that shit. And then... No, I have a pretty high sex drive. I'll, I'll match them. I can match that energy. But no, but then guys who haven't hooked up, maybe they're like fourth girl ever. Is that, and then they're like, this is it. And then you're like, oh, no, you didn't realize. She's, she, She's a hoe. She made a lot of guys realize this is it. You know what I mean? Like, but that's, that's, that's why I tell people, get your fucking out the way. Go, go and don't, I, you know, I used to hate some people I knew in college, like, they wouldn't fuck a big bitch or they wouldn't fuck. And I, I'm not saying don't fuck the, the biggest bitch in the world, but. I fucked some big bitches. It, it's, it's like, yo, wait, 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 wait. You're not getting no pussy, but you won't hit the girl that want to hit you. She don't even want to be your girlfriend. She just yeah. trying to suck your little dick, nigga. You scared of that? Yeah. I can't I gotta, also, girls, girls get out there and fuck too. I'm going to be honest. Look, girls, but girls, girls need to be go ho. Girls need to go through a hoe phase. And I didn't realize but they do that. that. Till later, I they did, all at do, first bro. I was like, they just quiet. No, at first I was like, oh, but then I want my girl to be good at shit. Like I don't want a girl who doesn't know who how. Doesn't like, know how to suck I a want dick. a. I want a girl who's had a lot of stage time. I want yeah. my <laughs> like. I want my comic to have a lot of stage time. I want my girl to know what she's doing. Like I can't be mad that I've hoed it up and she like that's just. I used to be that way, where it's like you, want, you hold, want you want the key that'll go in any lock, but not the lock that any key will take. That's what I'm talking. But about. then you're like, nah, that's not really. And I want a girl that fucks because I want a girl who's fun. I want a girl who doesn't care. Hey, we're in a Marshalls. I'm gonna fuck you in the, the <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. But if a girl do- hasn't gone through that hose phase yet, mm-hmm. she might be like, I don't know. Like, but it's the same thing for dudes. The reason why I, I'm not telling dudes go out there and fuck crazy, but you want to be good for your wife. Yeah. Yo, like, if your girl leaves you because your sex is bad, bro, you're telling me you took care of the house, the kids, you're the best man ever, but you can't fuck because you didn't have no experience before? No one wants to teach somebody how to do stuff when you get older. You know what I mean? That's how I, I felt before, but 
Yeah, man. That's why I feel like it's weird. Like, for example, I had this uh, Instagram question thing. Like, what is the thing that you want from, like, the ideal partner? And I had somebody said she has to be a virgin. And I was like, I just don't think that's fair. Like, it's 2021, bro. Like, also, who wants, like, I don't even want to fuck a virgin now. Yeah. Like, it's not fun. It's weird. Because, not for nothing, like, Who's twenty five? Like who? Like there's a reason people aren't trying to fuck you if you're a virgin at twenty five. You know what I mean? Like or you just got out of a long jail time. You don't have to. Not even that because niggas are fucking jail. You don't have to lose it at sixteen, but you know what I mean? It's like like, goddamn, what you holding it for? Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, you should. I mean, I mean, I don't. You saw that Bachelor? There was the one Bachelor who was a virgin. I only watched the season because my girl made me watch it, but Uh. he was a virgin. (laughs) And then literally, this was like three years ago. He's like, I had to clear that. He up came <laughs> for real, <laughs> for real, no rainbow. <laughs> I uh, found out he just came out of the closet. Literally, like two months ago, oh. he came out of the he closet. He wasted all his time. And I was like, shit. that's he, what I mean. He should have been gay from the he jump. He should have been just sucking dick. He yeah. Been <laughs> on the bachelor. No, so I said these girls get pounded out. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> hey, I, 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 I always <laughs> tell people like, yo, just be safe, but don't be scared to have your fun because. Everybody else is having their fun. Yeah, I hate. That's why even in high school, I would tell me and my friends we knew don't judge somebody because of what they like to do. Judge them for who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean, like yeah, if a, a, a girl likes to have sex with, with dudes, nigga, are you mad because it's not you, or are you just mad at somebody doing what they like to do because you can't do it because right. you're not sitting there doing whatever you want to do with your life? I think it's weird when dudes judge girls. I, it's like, bro. If, that's what she want to do. She want to be a little hoe. And I think guys also think that girls have to be sloppy to be a hoe. No. But then you find out like a really like classy, classy girl is a hoe. And that's when I feel like in my past, that's when I would have been like, no, you know what I mean? But no, every like you don't have to be sloppy. You could like, be a lawyer. You could exactly. be a teacher. Everybody could be a little hoe. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong. You could be a podcaster. You could be a. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to fuck somebody. <laughs> one walked by. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, give me a chill. We'll be okay with motherfucker. <laughs> He's like, what time they close this place? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a time on the camera where you just that, see that, me that, go. <laughs> that's why we usually put the blinds down. <laughs> nah, no funny. When she walks by, I'm going to be like, Yo, bro, my. My uh, my Mercedes just got 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 back to me, dog. All pink and shit. I got three thousand dollars, but you got changed four thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like when a girl walked by, bro, you gotta say that shit. Like I beat up three dudes, bro. I didn't even care for no, for no reason. <laughs> I think it's the the same thing opposite with comedians. I think girls look at guys who are comedians as hoes, not in the way of fucking a lot. But they're like, oh, you're up there just saying anything. But girls actually like that. Like, I, when I, think I girls like comedians. Like, I'll talk a lot about sex on stage, and I'll feel like maybe that would turn girls away. But it doesn't. It's weird. You think it would be the opposite way, but it's not. You know what? I'll like be like say bad sex things about myself. You oh, know, like they, yeah, and they like that. You know, I never, I never got like I remember I would write jokes about how bad I was at sex, and I would never say them because I'm not. I would bad never at do sex. that, but I would have a joke about like. A girl asked me to spit on her, and I can't breathe out my nose, so when I spit, it just, like, drips on my lip and stuff. <sighs> and, like, that is, like, that's not fucking bad, but it's a story yeah, about a girl yeah. asked me to spit on her, and I'm like, <sighs> I'm spitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't come out, so, like, shit like that. 
Yeah, no, but I, I remember when I was watching comedians, they would always say how bad, like comedians who would just talk down on themselves for the laugh, and sometimes I, I don't believe it's true. Like when somebody talks down on themselves, but you know it's true and it's funny, okay. But sometimes you just see like... It's an act. Yeah, so sometimes yeah. I remember try, like writing a joke and I'm like, can't tell it because I'm not bad at sex. I don't got a little thing. It's hard <laughs> to like lie on, on stage. Like, I wish... This joke does sound funny, but yeah, yeah. I don't want to say it there because it's not true. I'm not bad at sex. <laughs> I, no, I totally agree. Like I can't. Be, yeah, you can't be lying, and you can tell when comedians are lying. Uh, for sure. Or when for you sure. can tell when comedians are like, "I'm fucking slay." They're doing jokes about slaying pussy, and you're like. <laughs> I just saw you cry because a girl turned you down outside. Yeah, you're like, not you're turning not, up on pussy. You're not sl- you know what I mean? It's now, I I always tell people when they come see me, like, yo, listen, this is open mic. You know what I mean? Like, depending on if it's open mic or if it's a real show, I tell them, yo, bro, that's... Because I, I, I want them to know, like, yo, this dude... I'm like, about to force it. Because some people lie. Like, it's, it's, the people that go on stage and you could just tell. Or they got the joke off the internet. You know what I mean? Oh, have, you, have, yeah. have you encountered that? Where you, you I had like, a comedian you know? tell the joke that I did on Kill Tony word for word at an open mic I was at. Damn, talk about that. What the fuck? Like, for That's real. That's crazy, I was bro. early in. I was early in. I And I hadn't done that joke in a while. I was at a mic, and this dude I'd never seen before comes and does that joke. I was like, what the fuck? I go up to him after. I'm not going to confront him. I go, hey, man, just so you know, it could be parallel thinking, but I did a joke almost word for word on Kill Tony a couple of years ago. He goes, it was fucking parallel thinking. He got all mad and like pissed off and shit at me. I was like, oh, he definitely stole this. He definitely stole it. Never saw him again after that. I think Joe Rogan was the one um, exposing, what's his name? I think Mencia for doing shit like that. Well, because it's, bro, it's intellectual property. And so. Sometimes you tell a joke, and people might think it's just a joke, but it took you three months to polish it, to say it on stage a thousand times, to you know expand on it, take some things nowhere away. Nowhere hits. Yeah, nowhere hits. And then somebody just comes and takes that entire thing and kind of, kind of, it's like almost making money or kind of getting opportunities from your joke. It's wild. It's crazy. It's crazy. But that's why I don't like when people tell jokes that I've heard before like on the internet like i i, I would like see memes and yeah shit. Like, i, 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 I would see a meme and then go up and then someone would talk about verb not even give their opinion on it but just verbatim take the meme and i'm like well how is that funny bro yeah you know i do like dad jokes though dad, dad jokes, jokes are, funny, are good though. i love dad jokes but on stand-up it's tough it's like i love i don't like when it comedians just read tweets off because it's like maybe you did write that but i want to Bit. Like I don't want just like a like I want it to be like tease a me, pe- tease me there. I don't want a bar. I want a full song. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I don't like. I need you to know. I need to know that you can put together a full piece. And that's just. exactly what what I was getting at earlier, bro. It's like you. That's a perfect analogy. I don't want you're just saying a bar. Yeah. You're just saying a bar. You're not creating a song up there. And that's why sometimes I'm tight. I'm going like y'all motherfuckers. They ain't doing comedy. Yes, some of y'all are saying some funny things and rambling some shit, but it's like, bro, you you have to sh- for me to enjoy you as a person. I I want to know, I, I want to get a whole like you're saying a whole piece, a bit, you know, something that has a beginning, a middle, an end, something that I see, even if it doesn't hit, I see where you were going with that. Full service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like everyone's probably written. 
bars in their life. But it's like, I you shouldn't. You, got a hot you, you can't go us. out and rap. Never. Never, <laughs> never once. You, ne- you never tried, Sam? I wrote it, but I would never. I know, like, I have the self-awareness enough to be like, no, that's but not, not. But now you know the people to. Exactly. Know. That's why I'm putting together this EP where I'm DJ Kali in that <laughs> shit. Like, I'm picking the beats. I'm picking the rappers I want to be on it. But I'm not going to, like, spit on there because I know what I look like. I know how I sound. And I know that I don't care about it as so, much. So, 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 like, what's your, not, so what's your tagline, bro? Not, it's not we the best. We <laughs> bucked up. What is it? <laughs> Try DMT. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I don't know what it is. Follow I might com- even not talk on it. Like I Got might it. just just like just let it play. Like follow, like, and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't believe I got an intro track with one of my favorite rappers growing up. Like Cool AD really was like one of the most my favorite rappers. Brought my friends together when I was a kid. Like crazy. Just having him on the intro track already. It's like. So when I don't want to do disservice to that. I want to disrespect the music. I'm trying to put out a product, not put my name. Like I want people to hear this. I'm not doing it for my own thing, you know. No, you're right. You're right, bro. No, that's dope, and it's a. It's I think a lot more stuff like that should be um, more in circulation. I feel like the mixtape thing should be back and thing. These DJs that have more access than these, you know, smaller or I don't want to call them smaller, but up and coming artists you know what i mean so shout out to you for that man yeah bro hey thanks for coming today too bro Dude, this like, is awesome i love like, this, this was, was fun as hell yeah, and, and sorry pete pete you're not here but i know your ass is in new york you know fucking touching on some big ladies i know you keep saying you don't like he's big fucking girls. the fat bitches yeah exactly. bro he said he don't like them thank but he's you. lying he a lying yeah. motherfucker thank you <laughs> thank you um yo we like giving back here in, in uh say that podcast and there's no other better form to give back than gratitude so mike is open for you man to you know give your shout outs to whoever you want and tell people where they can find you again and thank you for, i want to give a shout out to you guys because honestly what i said before that when how you guys handled the pre-show i am gonna take that into my own <laughs> podcast no, and i am gonna man. use that and I, I that's my my gratitude for that is for you guys because you guys have a great thing going on here and it's uh thank you for letting me be on Everyone listening is already if they if they want to listen to Bucked Up already they've already decided they're gonna <laughs> listen to it. Just follow me on Instagram and stuff at Sam C Buck. But um, my gratitude's for you guys for having me on. Thank no, you very much, it, bro. Thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna go. Thank you, man, for for stopping by. It, it was an honor. Uh, fan for real. Um, and I hope much much success. And I hope that the um project that you're putting out goes super well. Let me know when it comes out because I need that. Um, a, yo, bro, it's a pleasure. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity, hey, man, welcome, to do this. Bro. You're welcome. Um, and Pete, yo, keep fucking them fat bitches for keep us. Keep doing bro. it. Keep doing it. Hey, I want to shout out, um, first and foremost, myself, dog. Shout out to me. I work hard. I love myself. I take care of my family. I do my I just get My fault. My fault. I take my <laughs> nah, my fault, my fault. I was glowing in myself. But in that second, bro, thank you for coming. Yo, thank you for coming, bro. For real, I appreciate it. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the stand up. I'm a fan of what you do podcast wise. I'm a, I'm a supporter. Um, I'm poor, so I haven't bought the, the sweaters, but I, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna They're get, expensive. I, I understand. I, I'm gonna buy my shit. I'm gonna get my shit. I'm gonna get mine. I'm a, hey, when the FEMA check come, I'm gonna get mine, bro. Um, no, bro, it was like. 
you know, just getting you on here, you know, you know, we, we, we like to give flowers, bro. We, just, we appreciate what you're doing. You're working hard. Um, and it's showing. I think I think it's gonna continue to go up and go up and go up and go up. And you know, you being fucking famous helps us. Cause then the people come back and they watch, the, you know, they watch your podcast here. And hopefully one day we blow the fuck up. But uh, and you yeah. guys will. You guys have a lot more than ninety nine percent of the podcast. You yeah, know? we try. So we try, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, so for those tuning in, man, thank you again. This has been another amazing episode great opportunity um to to chop it up with my man sam he got me bucked up today other than the weather but uh please make sure you comment like subscribe facts it helps the channel a lot facts. on instagram say underscore that underscore pod show us some love show us some fucking you love so we know can get money we want money we we try to get these self driving cars, fam. Yeah, so bro, we can be. I made so, money off my podcast, so, so, yeah. so we can be writing these questions down on the way here, bro. You, you heard the man. Um, but as always, man, just as a, a courtesy, because you know, don't say this, say, say that. Hi, right, man. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>